Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Good morning. This is Attorney Vince Davis, and the name of this show is Get Your Kids Back Now. This show is dedicated to keeping families together and to fighting the tyranny of CPS and DCFS social workers. A secondary purpose of the show is to educate parents and relatives or to at least show them where to get the necessary information for their fight. The final purpose of the show is to remind people that change can be effectuated at the ballot box, at the federal and the state levels. So let us unite and fight and elect those who will make the necessary changes. Good morning. We're going to be talking about a number of things on today's show. Uh, the first thing that I want to talk about, and um, I may have mentioned this before, but I need to mention it again. A lot of clients and prospective clients come to me, and they have their own um, sense of justice. It's usually based upon their beliefs, their experiences, and what people have told them. Everybody in the world has a sense of justice. The problem is it's usually not based upon what real justice is. In our system of law, real justice is based upon laws passed by the legislature and Congress. Um, It's based upon appellate cases at the state and federal levels and on court rules. Now, typically, there is some similarity between what a person's real sense of justice is and what real justice is, maybe about 5 to 10%. The problem becomes is that about 95 to 90% of what people believe isn't real justice. It's their sense of justice. And to win in a courtroom, to win in a CPS case, whether it's in the juvenile court trying to get your children back, or in the federal court with a civil rights case, or in a state court with a civil rights case, you need real justice, and it's not the same. The problem really is, I guess, magnified when people are partially right, say they're 5 to 10% right. They just assume that they're right on everything, and that's not accurate. People generally don't know what the laws are. They generally don't know what the appellate cases are. They generally don't know what the rules are, and they just feel that they have been wrong and they should be able to do something about it without, an award, without a lawyer and without using legal strategies and real justice. When that happens, people could become frustrated and disenchanted with the law and the way things turn out in um, court. And the reason why that happens is because they're not using real justice to get justice inside the courtrooms here in America. I was talking to someone yesterday, a prospective client came in and met with me, and she told me a very long story about her case and about what happened to her in juvenile court. She's going to be expanding on that in writing for me. But basically, and I told her this, I said, you know, it sounded like you had been treated unfairly. Your kids um, may have been taken unfairly uh, in a moral sense, you know, in a sense of, you know, our gut. 
but legally she did not tell me anything that would lead me to believe that she would have a case to sue the social workers and um, the judge. She wanted to sue the judge. It's very difficult to sue a judge. It's almost impossible. I won't say impossible because I have heard in my 30 plus years of being an attorney, I have heard of um, one or two cases proceeding uh, against the judge. And I don't they were proceeding, they proceeded successfully, but it's very difficult to sue a judge. You can sue a social worker, but there are barriers and hurdles that you have to overcome in order to win a case against a social worker. Generally, social workers have what they call qualified immunity. Now, there's different types of immunity. Um, there's absolute immunity where you can't sue anyone at all, but social workers don't enjoy that immunity. They enjoy qualified immunity, and typically that means, you know, there's a long legal analysis for this, but typically it means that they have to do something with some type of malicious intent, fraud. Um, let me give you an example. A social worker gets on the stand and testifies uh, fraudulently and commits perjury. Yes, you can sue the social worker for that. Versus social worker gets on the stand and testifies and says something that's incorrect but made a mistake. It wasn't that she was lying about it, made a mistake. Um, typically in those situations, you cannot sue a social worker or you can sue the social worker, you're just not going to win. So you have to some, show some type of malice, fraud, oppression, things of that nature. You can also sue, sue a social worker if um, your child is injured in foster care, and you can also sue a social worker if they take your child um, in the beginning without a warrant or without um, what they call exigent circumstances, in other words, emergency circumstances. So those are the three ways you can generally sue a social worker. And just because you, were, you felt that you were being treated unfairly by the judge or the social worker, and let's assume that you were treated unfairly, that doesn't always rise to the level of being able to have a lawsuit against the social worker. So please keep that in mind when things are happening to you. Um, I noticed, uh, I've been noticing on social media, there are a lot of groups popping up all over uh, the country who are having success in fighting um, what they claim to be unfair judges and uh, unfair laws, and they're having some success. Uh, it's my opinion that they should continue do, doing what they're doing, um, but also add in the um, the arrow to their quiver of voting, banding together as groups and voting as blocks. Vote in friendly legislative uh, senators and, and, and House members and also judges in state courts. As in California, judges have to undergo re-election, whether they're voted in or they're appointed by the governor. So if you believe that um, some judge is unfair, uh, there are things that you can do. And not too long ago, and I'm not very familiar with this process, but not too long ago I met someone who was in the process of having a judge recalled. Um, I wasn't even aware that she could do that, but they were in the process of trying to recall a judge here in California. So there's a lot of ways um, that people can seek justice, and I think people should seek justice. Uh, that's the American way.
Before I continue on, I'm going to take our first call. It's from area code 909, ending in zero. Good morning. This is Attorney Vincent Davis. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Hi. Good morning. Um, I was uh, basically just um, uh, calling to see um, uh, what the show was about. I've been trying to get in, and uh, something was happening where the phone just got disconnected. But uh, um, I was just listening to what you were saying about um, uh, different kinds of justice. you got to know, basically, their law. And um, I was, I was, uh, um, you know, treated uh, wrongly based on what you said. Did you have a, a CPS case? Yes, sir. Is it closed or it's still going on? Well, um, the other day, um, they basically, um, the so, the social worker who had been working against me the whole time, and um, she couldn't, I did everything that she kept telling me to do, the parenting and everything, and I did everything no matter what, and she would, like, go around and do things. I got everything documented, and um, so I guess she couldn't do nothing else, so she um, recommended for me to be uh, reunified with my children. So that's where so I'm you at did now. Not you did not reunify with your um, children? Uh, not yet. But How that's what she put in the... In the since January the 10th. And... Um, Yes, sir. The principal, we were really sick with the flu, that flu thing that was going around. And um, the principal called and said that I was on drugs and that, that I was um, mistreating my kids and he was scared for their lives because we wasn't in, they wasn't in school. And um, my son, he had ended up getting sick too, uh, my 25-year-old that helps me watch the kids sometimes. And he doesn't drive. So um, the city we're in, we don't have much family, so I had to get um, to the store to get some medicine. I had to go to the pharmacy. So um, uh, I told my son, well, okay, right where we're at, it's a, it's a little, these apartments, we're like family orientated, but everybody was sick, everybody. And um, my son, it's like a little patio where he has a tent. And he, he's most of the time in his tent or, um, you know, if I, if I leave and he has to watch, I have twins, they're eight years old and, um, he will um, come in, but his tent is like right there where we could just talk to each other. Like it's so close. It's like, um, well, anyways, um, I told him I was getting ready to go to the store to get some, um, some, some medicine. I had told him earlier, but, um, he went back in his tent. So, um, when I was leaving, I told him uh, that I was leaving, and my boom, I left my son, the boy, twin, he's eight, uh, sleep because he was uh so he didn't we didn't get no sleep the night before it was just uh he cried and cried and finally sleep but that was the last of the medicine so I had to go get some more and so um I uh 
another uh, one thing was that uh, we had been heating up the house with the with the stove, and so it was it was cold and everything, and um, I had the fire on a little bit, but I told my son to um, that I was going to the store, so if he if the, the one that was asleep wake up. He always goes where his brother is because they're real close. Or, you know, it's just like it, he wasn't going to go anywhere or nothing, but he had just went to sleep. So when I went to the store and I was gone for like a half hour, I took my daughter, the other the other twin with me. When I came back, when I came back, um, the police was um, had my son. Um, they were out um, outside. And I was, I, he said he called the, the children's services on me because I left the, uh, my son alone sleep. Now, what happened was how they knew that was because um, I left the screen. We had uh, the screen and then the front door. And um, it was cracked. So um, in case he drives or something like that, my son can hear him. Or he can, you know, go where my son is real quick. So, um, oh, by the way, my son is, he does have Down syndrome, but he's not retarded. He knows, I mean, he's very intelligent, the one that was uh, sick. He um, he has Down syndrome, though. Um, he's in special education. But um, so my son, the one that was in the tent, uh, said that uh, he didn't hear them when they came. But you hear everything. We usually, we could talk to each other from the door. I don't understand, you know, I didn't understand at the time why he, they didn't, why he didn't hear them and why they had to call the church and services because they came for, because of the principal at the school that called and said, I was on drugs and the kids were in danger. And um, so the neighbor next door, she's on bed rest. I mean, well, she's like kind of crippled. Um, she, she sits at the window all day. And she watched the police. She said they didn't even knock. They just was like calling. They was calling my name, and my son didn't wake up. And they was uh they they was looking in and stuff. And they barely tapped a little bit. They didn't really make you know. It was very quiet. But she saw the whole thing. And so I guess they just got tired of waiting. And they just went in. They waited about maybe ten minutes or something. And they just went. It came in. And. Um, afterwards, they called when they got in. They called my son because his name was on the uh, contact list for at the school. So they called um, him. I left my phone at home because the phone was uh, dead. It wasn't for some reason it didn't charge. So, anyways, um, they called him. And when they called him, they heard the phone ring, and he was right there. And they there's like. Well, where you been all this time? And they accused him of being on drugs and um, uh, uh, gaffing him up and stuff. He said he was scared because he'd never been arrested, but he knows how they do black people and um, our family members and stuff that has been harassed by the police. And he um, he's a very good, you know, uh, the 25-year-old, he doesn't get in trouble and stuff. So by him being sick and already off balance, trying to, and then with the police just, waking up to the police, I mean, you know, like, coming out to the police like that. And it's like, you know, he didn't even know how that happened when we usually could hear everything. And he didn't hear him. So it was, um, he was dismantled, and then I came, and we were all dismantled anyway because we were sick. And um, basically they uh, said because the fire was on and uh, my son was alone, that's why they originally took 
uh, took them because um, they said uh, uh, it was a normal how we have it uh, um, basically uh, because the, the, the heater, the owner didn't fix the heater. So the temperature was how we normally have it. But the police said it was burning up hot, but they were white. So uh, Caucasian, I guess, and I guess they like it cold. I don't know, but we have to have it warm. That's why we, I mean, you know, we had to we had to be warm. So that's why I turned it on. But when I left, I guess um, I forgot to turn it off or I was just too sick or I, I thought my I had said it loud enough for my son to come in so he can just be, because usually he will. But my our voices were kind of weak. I I remember that we couldn't even hardly talk. Um, but I had to get up and go to the store. So um, that's basically. And then when they got in the system, I wasn't. Um, well, the school first of all didn't send me a truancy letter until the day it happened. When my my kids go to two different schools, and the principal was called in the other school. He was calling the other school and getting them upset and making them scared because he was, before it all happened, he was uh, calling back. They were taking turns. Uh, excuse me. Uh, I checked my phone, and they were taking turns um, calling when I was gone. And uh, my son said he talked to the lady um, at my daughter's school and told him that we were sick. And um, she said that, uh, tell her that. She said she talked to him, but he didn't tell her that. But it was like a big old thing. The police said that my son said that uh, I always leave my kids alone. And everybody knows I don't leave my kids alone. And my son my son got angry because he thought that I was um, accusing him of, uh, it was like the whole, when I read started reading the reports, they were all just lies. They were all like turned around. They would turn everything around. They were trying to say my son wasn't there. They ended up taking me to jail, and then I got right back out, but they haven't filed. I got out the next morning, and they haven't filed yet. So they said they well, have to file. Going, how long is this um, case January going the 10th. On? Since January the 10th? 18? Yes. Yes, when sir. your last court date in when was your last court date in juvenile court, and when's your next court date? I just went, um, was, okay, Saturday, I went Thursday. And that's when they said I'm going to be, basically I was forced um, to, basically they were saying if I didn't admit I was wrong to something, um, or that, um, yeah, basically that I was wrong to, for something, that they it was I was never going to get my kids back. That's what the the appointed, court-appointed lawyer told me I was never going to get my kids back, even though I did everything they told me to do. And um, so uh, I was so – and then I've been to the hospital and everything because this stuff has been – they've been having me running everywhere. I'll tell you about that in a minute. But um, they I'm 50 years old. I had my kid, my twins at 42, and I didn't even think I could have any kids, but it was a miracle. I didn't even know, but I had them. And um, – so me at my age, and I never had any high blood pressure in my life, and all of a sudden I started getting, I like almost was at a stroke because that's how many things she had me doing, like all this stuff, like um, testing randomly. I had to call testing, and I had to go to parenting, and I had to go to uh, counseling, and all this stuff, all this stuff, and like um, it was just wearing me down, and I ended up almost having a stroke. 
I went to the doctor and they said uh, I was can't do anything. But I still had to do this stuff because if I didn't, um, that uh, you know, basically they weren't gonna give me back my kid. So uh, when I went right. to the Thursday, when I went. To, Mm. When is your when is your when is your next court date? Um, they said six months. Uh, my uh, attorney's um going to they you know actually they didn't even set a date. They said uh basically they told me um I uh I went in there and um they uh the, basically they were just telling me um if I didn't do that admit to something so what I did I said um. Uh, uh, because I did learn a lot from parenting, you know, and uh, and everything. And the counseling seemed like it was, you know, helping me with my stress. I I guess I don't know, but it was over in eight weeks. But um, so I was learning about the safeties issues and everything. So I told him, I said, well, I could, if I would could have done something better, I wouldn't have. Um, I would have made sure my son came inside, and I would have turned the fire off. But you know, I. I I wanted to say I was very sick, so I was dismantled. Really needed some, you know, help, but not that way. Ma'am, I'm going to offer you something. Do you have a pen and a piece of paper? Yes, sir. What? One second. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have one. Let me know. Ready? Okay. So my office opens okay. today at 9.15 p.m. I want you to call at 9.15, and I want you to make up an appointment to meet with me, and I'm going to review your case, give you a very in-depth consultation and strategy session on how to get your children back. All right? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do this with at no cost to you. I usually charge for this. And I'm going to do this at no cost to you because it sounds like you have been um, taken advantage of, unfortunately, and, and you have lost your children temporarily. So the telephone yes, number that you need to call at 15 today is 888-582. Now, before you come to see me, I want you to go back to court with your uh, driver's license or your California ID and I want you to get a copy of your entire file from the courthouse so that I can see all the social worker reports, all the minute orders, all the evidence that was filed against you. And I'm, I need to review that to let you know what you can do moving forward to get your children back. Are your children with relatives or family friends? Uh, no, sir. Uh, no, sir. At first, she she separated them. And then... Um uh my the first day my my daughter um she was gonna um try to get them she's a teacher she doesn't have a record and uh she was gonna get them but she doesn't have um a lot of room so she called my 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 brother and um my brother has a big house in um lancaster and uh so they were trying to basically he was uh talking to the social worker and back and forth and um he was saying that she was giving him a run around. I don't know, but that she said at first that she checked his record because years ago he had some things on his record, but he had since then got all that straightened up. And he has since then had um, his daughters in his custody and stuff. So And they're grown. Okay. So and this what, was like 20. So what, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you how to get your children back. 
so you can work with your attorney. And also, I'm also going to give you some information on how to get those children moved to a relative or a close family friend, no matter where they live, what, no matter what county in California, no matter what state in the United States, no matter what country in the world, okay? So promise me that you'll yes, call sir. at 915 and make that a appointment with me. Okay, yes, sir. What's the, okay, the number is... Can I repeat the number really quick? It's um, 888-888-6582. Yes, that's, that's the, the number. number. Okay. And I look forward to meeting you. Thank okay. you. You too. Very nice talking to you. I'll talk to you at 915. All right. Thank you. Have a best day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, I'm backing up on the call, so I'm going to take another call now. It's from area code 424, ending in 89. Good morning. You're on with oh, Attorney Ben. Yes, do you have a story to good tell morning. or a question? Good morning. Yes, uh, my name is um, Denasia Chisholm. Oops, sorry. My name is um, Denasia, and I'm calling We don't use names, so just tell us your story. Okay, um, I had let my two daughters go with, I have custody of my kids, and I let my two daughters go visit their great-grandmother. Now, in between the great-grandmother, she had got sick and stuff, so she was using my kids to receive Medicaid. I went to go get my children. I relocated to California, and I live in Los Angeles, and she lives in Indiana. Now, she has went. And I went back there and got my kids for a vacation for the 4th of July last year. And what she went and turned and did was she kidnapped my daughter. I made a police report. And she went to her where she stayed at in Anderson, Indiana, and got temporary custody of my kids. And she then gave the kids to the father's girlfriend, who I never met, she never met, she don't know nothing about this child, but she gave my kids to them, and the courts are looking like there's nothing they can do. I I don't have no open CPS case no more. Um, they closed it, gave me my kids, but she kidnapped them, and then they returned and gave them to her. A different judge. They like they overrode the judge of them giving custody of my kids. Okay, repeat that last sentence. I didn't quite understand it. They overrode where the judge had gave me custody of my kids, and so the I guess the father is incarcerated, and somehow. He's trying to get custody of the kids to give them to his girlfriend. Okay, are you the mother of the children? Yes. Do you have a court order from juvenile court or family law court giving you custody of the children? Yes, I have my documentation where they gave me custody of my kids. So my suggestion is that you get a certified copy of that order go to Indiana, go to the police, and ask them to enforce that California court order. Okay, so 
I okay, I was in Indiana and I tried to do that and they're looking at me like there's nothing they can do. I even have custody of them in Evansville, Indiana. Did you show them a, a certified copy of your custody order? You said, did you get a certified copy? Yeah. yeah. They gave it to the great-grandmother. Okay. So where are you currently right now? Are you in Indiana or are you in California? In California. Okay. Is it possible for Indiana. you to go back to Indiana? I just left there. Did you get a chance to talk to Indiana lawyer? Um, they're telling, they're basically telling me like there's nothing really that they can do. I've never heard of that because I'm Did not a resident there. Yeah, they said since I'm not a resident there, there's nothing that they can help me with. I have police reports yeah. of me making police report of my child running off. Um, harassment of the girl that was harassing me and stuff that they gave my kids to. And then she transported my kids out of Evansville from me and took them to Anderson, Indiana. Right, Isn't so that my illegal? Question is, did, my question is, did you talk to an Indiana lawyer to try to help you? Yeah, they said that since I wasn't an Indiana resident, I lived in California, that they couldn't help me. Okay, I think you're talking to the wrong, the wrong Indiana lawyer. When, now that you're back in California, what I would do is I would go on Google, I would find some Indiana custody lawyers and talk to them because um, from my understanding, and I'm not an Indiana lawyer, but from my understanding, if you have a court order from California and your order uh, would trump any any Indiana lawyer, or at least it would require under what they call the UCCJEA, the two judges to perhaps talk to one another to find out who has jurisdiction and who's going to exercise jurisdiction over the children. Um, so I would spend some time on the Internet and on the phone uh, trying to get an Indiana lawyer to help you. Okay? What's, what's called a, a I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Which, what kind of lawyer did you send you? I, I need to call it. Would you say a J what? No, no. It's that you need a custody, child custody and visitation attorney in Indiana. Child custody lawyer. Yes, in Indiana. Okay. Okay. Ma'am, I want to thank you for your call, and I wish you luck with your legal matter. All right. All right, I'm going to take another call right now from area code 562, ending in 17. Good morning. morning. You're on with Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? I have a story to tell. Go ahead. Yeah, um... This has been a, a really tough case, and it's had a lot of twists and turns. And the part I'd like to share with everyone is what really happened 
is that um, I had a, a child custody. Um, well, the children were taken away from us, me and my wife, and uh, we've been trying for three years to uh, get them back. We got two of the children back. We have one more to um, get back. And um, what really shocked me was um, I had a restraining order where I had to stay 100 yards away from the children and away from the apartment. And back in last April, um, I was uh, helping my wife. My wife and I could see each other. We could be with each other. That was never the case. But around the apartment that I had gotten for her so that the um, children could get back and so forth. Um, or to maintain 100 yards. Well, um, uh, I know what 100 yards is very well do I know it because I played football in high school and college. And so I know very well what 100 yards is. So what would happen is that we, uh, I was helping her um, with some um, animals that uh, were getting out of our house and she didn't want the goldfish to splash or fall out or anything. And so what would happen is that we would go down and uh, we'd circle the um, apartment, but she would drop me off well, approximately about uh, 150 yards away and uh, I would be uh, dropped off and then wait for her to come back after she um, put the things um, in, into the place. And what had happened was is that uh, the social worker who really um, didn't know her, really didn't know um, a lot of things. And so she happened to see me in the area and um, um, I was uh, way down uh, near um, some benches uh, by a senior center and um, she um, uh, pulled her car over. I guess she was she had come by to visit the apartment and uh, so she pulls the car over across the street and she motions for me to come to her and I said no I can't come over there um, uh, because I knew that that may be closer to the 100 yard uh, limit line and so I stood my ground over there so she marches over there and says what are you doing around here and I said well I um, um, I was helping out with some animals some pets and so forth and uh, she said well you're too close I said what do you mean too close how do you determine I'm too close and she says you're just too close I said well I'm outside 100 yards and uh, that's what the restraining order says well, what she ended up doing, um, she tried to get the Huntington uh, prosecutor, um, the uh, prosecutor to prosecute the case. And um, she was successful getting that prosecutor. So she went to the area, this is in Orange County, went to the Orange County prosecutor. And somehow they can pull strings. Uh, it's a very corrupt system we have in Orange County. And so she um, ended up um, making this alleged, uh, which is a criminal case because you're violating a restraining order. So um, it took her a good month or two to finally get it uh, charged. And so, you know, the police come out and investigate it. And, you know, she was sitting there saying, well, he's in the apartment. And then 
Um, she later changed the story that, no, he's outside the alleyway. And then she finally changed the story, I think, a third time and said, no, he's a um, he's across the street from the alley. Well, the problem is she was so confusing. Well, there were nine um, nine court dates in the span of a year. We kept going to court, waiting for this whole scenario to end. And I had to hire an attorney, and uh, you know, you're spending ten thousand dollars for nine visits for an attorney to come in and hold your hand. And um, this went on and on. And what she did and this is the sad part, is that she went ahead and added additional things, thinking my wife was able to protect the kids. And um, she um, um, made my wife go through additional things like a thing called wraparound, which is ridiculous because they're sitting there trying to tell my wife how to raise kids. And she already has older children herself. I mean, this is funny. We have three uh, children that are a lot older, um, you know, uh, two in their 30s, one in the late 20s. They're very successful in life. And so she was making do this additional wraparound. And then on top of that, she said that you got to, uh, she extended the case plan. The plan will be over in January. Now she's extended to September 2018. And uh, then on top of that, um, she wants to go to conjoint therapy, which is rehashing the whole thing. It doesn't help. And, and her youngest son, who's 12, is going through a nightmares now. I mean, he's been really destroyed. The whole family has been really, you know, if you really think about what social services is to me, and maybe to other people, maybe great. All social services did to my family is destroy a family that was a very loving, caring family, very successful in, in schooling. The kids are very successful. The only unfortunate thing for us is that when I had lost my job, I had economic uh, disaster. And because of my economic disaster, um, they decided to punish us. It's like they're picking this people, partly because I'm educated and I started talking to people at the top you know, you know, the directors, everything at the top, and they don't like to have someone out there. It's really, you know, social services is really set up, I thought, to help people along when they have a hard time, to help them get their family back if they have a drug problem or they have an alcohol problem or they have, you know, uh, a violent problem or they commit other crimes and things like that, not because they're economically disadvantaged. And so what's so sad is that this has been going on for three years. And, you know, our kids are not the same. The saddest part is that we have a daughter who's been so convinced and they have taken the fact, in fact, you know, she had a bullying problem in school and they turned it into a problem with her dad. And, um, and then they've convinced her that her mom would never protect her, never um, keep her out. And the protecting thing is the most ridiculous thing we're trying to protect her from because all it was is this love shown to the children. I don't, still don't understand what they're trying to protect you from. But they, um, the, um, um, uh, uh, the daughter is now being convinced to be adopted. She's be 16 this, uh, this summer, July. And she was brought into the system when she was 12. And she's been convinced that um, that it's better to go with uh, 
another family. And part of the things that's helped her be convinced is that they've been giving her drugs. They think by giving her drugs will stop her from um, being depressed or wanting to commit suicide. And uh, the problem is this drug thing, they've changed the drugs three times. Instead of getting her into sports or something more healthy and try alternative means, they don't do that. They are, um, they are um, um, giving her this drug. And the drug, latest drug she has is a drug that's illegal if you have symptoms, minors have symptoms of, of being suicidal or um, depression because it will ruin the reproductive um, chances of having children. It uh, deteriorates the mind. You know, young children are still trying to grow. So they're, you know, getting the drug and now we're getting close to the point where if a child says, hey, I want to be adopted, there's really nothing we can keep. The brothers are so, my one son is 12, is so sad, so sad because he doesn't see his sister you know, they, they, they're good about how to break up a family. They know they break up the kids. Because the three kids were together for a good year, year and a half, and they started breaking up the kids. And uh, so there's been a lot of damaging done. And it's it's just really, really sad how this goes on and on and on and dragging this out. And now the, it, 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 uh, on the ninth visit, the prosecutor says, you know what? Uh, we just we just can't proceed with this. There's just not enough evidence, and this social worker is so confused, doesn't know her head from anything. We're going to dismiss the case. So the case was dismissed. Now, how you can wreck a year of wasted time, um, all this money that was spent immediately, and, and nothing gained from it, and and so it's it's really sad. It's just. It's it's sad because I don't know how we're going to save our, our our daughter. I don't want to give it up, but you know the only thing you know she she loves her brothers and they'd be detrimental if she goes the way she's going. But she's completely cut off from her mother, which is really sad. Um, you know because she was her mother, but she blames her mother for the father, and it, it's just it's it's just it's it's heart wrenching, Vincent. It really is, and. So out there, your readers out there is that, um, you know, this is crazy. This is, I have a really crazy case. And, and anyway, I'd just like to share that with you, Vincent. Let me ask you something. So you're saying that the social worker brought, brought criminal um, allegations against you, the DA filed, and then after nine court hearings, the DA dropped the case? Yes, yes. And we finally pressured them. Did they drop? Yeah. Did they drop the case because the social worker had told, I guess, several versions of the incident? Well, I think what really helped is they somehow thought the mother would be their star witness, and when they called up the mother on the day of the ninth visit and talked to the mother, and the mother said, "No, he was never there." And it's a complete waste of time. The social worker's lying. And when the prosecution star witnesses, the mother says that, then he says, this is stupid. Why pursue this? I mean, you know, it's like they have no other witnesses. You have, you have me and a social worker. And a social worker who has demonstrated many times she's lied. She's lied on the witness stand, on other matters. 
and uh, you know they've uh, they have really violated my civil rights. I have never once ever had any contact with my daughter since May 2nd, 2015. Not one thing was ever expressed to me. I never had like a visit under monitor visits. I never had a chance to talk on the phone, never have a chance to um, sit in any kind of controlled environment, nothing, not one word. What do you think if a child is kept from their father and their mother's been away over a year, if you keep a children away, you know you're gonna eventually and if you're under drugs, going to do, go the direction you're going and give up on your parents. Yes, it's very sad. I want to thank you for your call today, and I wish you luck as you move forward in your case. Thank you very much, Vincent. Appreciate it. Thank you for everything you do. All right. Um, we're down to the last approximately 15 minutes of the show. I have uh, another call that I'm going to take from area code 626, ending in 5-4. Good morning. Hello. Attorney Do you have a story to tell or a question Hi. to ask? Sure. I just have a story to tell in 15 minutes, so um, no names. But my husband is an alcoholic and, well, He's not severely alcoholic, but he's an alcoholic. He went for a, a guy's trip, uh, drank really heavily, came back. Um, we're under a lot of pressure now with my family because um, I'm in job flux and he's in job flux and my brother has a growth in his brain. And so now um, he lost it. He lost it. He took a spatula and he hit my kid because he went to hide and eat Doritos and it left a mark on his face. And he went to school the next day. And uh, at school, they called the police. They called, you know, um, they arrested my husband. Um, I wouldn't sign any papers with with the DCFS. And um, because I was scared they were going to take my children away. And I didn't know whether or not, you know, my husband would take it seriously and stay away from the home for a whole week. I just didn't know, and I didn't know what I was signing, too. I wanted legal representation. Um, so anyways, they take they took him to jail. Um, they didn't give him any of his medications. He's um, He has schizoaffective disorder, and uh, they, he stayed there for three days. And I, you know, I'm also sick, too, with alcoholism because I thought maybe extra days in jail would help him come to some sort of realization that he has a problem that would drive him to hitting our son and leaving a mark on his face. Um, So anyhow, I didn't bail him out. His brother bailed him out. And then um, the police called me the next day and asked me where he was, my, my husband, and I lied to them. I told them that he, hello? I told him that he wasn't. Okay, I told him that he wasn't at home um, when he was, because I wanted to spend time with the family altogether. We'd just been through a traumatic experience. I wanted to go to the beach (laughs) and just forget about it all, but uh, it's not going away. And then this, and then I had a working interview, and then um, I missed a call during the day from DCSF. And then um, I called them back after hours. I didn't leave a message, but I guess they assumed that I was like, I'm not, I'm not uh, supportive, you know, or, or I'm, 
unavailable or anyways they charge me with um, an, an inability to protect my children and so they took my children away from me luckily they're at a relative's house now but um, I have a hearing on Tuesday and now I don't know what to do about my lie <laughs> but um, most importantly I want my children to have the best upbringing that they can have and I, I don't want them to be in the system and you know stuck in foster care with people they don't know luckily they're with my aunt right now um, and we have a birthday party today and so they're going to come over and I just have to make sure I know the rules that my aunt has to be there at all times that's it so you haven't gone to your first court hearing no not yet it's this Tuesday at 10 10 30 but they said I should get you there know, by 8.30. I have a YouTube I haven't channel even... where I have videos. Uh-huh. Where I have videos, and I have, um, I think, one or two videos on uh, the first initial hearing, which they call the detention hearing. Um, okay. Please take a look at those because they'll give you an idea, you know, 30,000-foot okay. overview uh, idea about what's supposed to happen mm -hmm. at the detention hearing. So okay, detention here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or you can just okay, great. Thank you. Well. Say it again. Thank you Something about calling in. Yeah, it's called okay. a detention. Thank you. Hearing. Okay, got thank it. You I'll read it. Thank, thank you. Mm -hmm. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Before we um, finish the show today, there are a couple things that I, I, I have to get to and I have to talk about. Um, and I'm going to call it the pre-litigation uh, stage. So a, a court hearing hasn't happened yet. And the social worker has contacted you and they're investigating uh, the case and they're investigating whether they should take the children away from you. They're investigating whether they should file a case or whether it should be voluntary, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So there are some misconceptions out there about what rights you have, what rights the social worker has. And I want to tell you right now um, my beliefs. I have to preface this with saying that um, there are attorneys um, who are very good attorneys who disagree with me. Um, so, take what I'm going to tell you with a grain of salt. It's my experience, and I've done, my law firm has done thousands of these cases in the last 30-some years. It's my experience that you should never, ever talk to a social worker. Now, when a social worker comes to your home or calls you, they're going to approach you because they've been trained to try to make you believe, at least implicitly, that you have to talk to them, and you do not. It is America, and you do not have to talk to anyone that you don't want to. Having said that, the social worker can get a warrant to come to your home, inspect your home, they can't get a warrant to, to come to your home and talk to your children. They can get a warrant to take your children 
but they can never get a warrant to talk to you or to make you talk to them. This week, this past week, I was at a social worker's office in Chatsworth, California. And I was sitting there with my client, a mother of a 14-year-old girl, and a social worker at the county council. And it just so happened, this county council, a very experienced lawyer, and um, we started the interview, and the social worker was, how can I say, the social worker was in a bad mood. We were about 20 minutes late for the appointment, and so things didn't start off smoothly with the social worker. Apparently, she had a very busy schedule that day. And the social worker started the interview by asking my client some questions, such personal questions, your name, your address, date of birth, blah, blah, blah. Then we got to um, the question about the name of her, my client's living boyfriend. And my client answered that question. And then she asked for his cell phone number because she wanted to speak to the boyfriend. And I told the social worker that we weren't going to give her that information. And I I knew that the boyfriend probably wasn't going to talk to the social worker. Because remember, he doesn't have to talk to the social worker. The law does not require, no matter what, that he talk to the social worker. The social worker got very upset and stopped the meeting. And she told me that she was going to go ahead and get a warrant to talk to the boyfriend. I kind of looked at the county counsel, the attorney, and she knew that I knew that the social worker couldn't do that. But she was yet threatening us um, with a warrant to do something that she could never get. Uh, So the meeting ended and we left and the social worker basically said, hey, I'm going to get that warrant and I'm going to talk to the boyfriend. And I'm thinking, yeah, good luck with that. So you don't have to talk to social workers. The other thing is, social workers sometimes ask you to do things, like take a drug test. You do not have to take a drug test. You you do not ever have to take a drug test unless a judge orders you to. And I'm talking, you know, in the sense of a CPS case. You know, you might have to take a drug test because your your employer requires it. But as far as social workers are concerned, they're concerned they are considered governmental agents and you do not have to take drug tests to social workers. They can ask you to and you don't have to do it. Now a lot of social workers will tell you, just like when you're being um, questioned by police authorities, if you don't do A, then I will do Z. Usually it's with police If you don't talk to me, then I'm going to arrest you. And I always recommend to my clients to tell the police, okay, we'll arrest me, and then, you know, we'll take it from there. And I say the same thing to my clients with CPS workers or DCS workers. They say something like this. If you don't talk to me, then I'm going to get a warrant to take your child from you. In my opinion, in most of the cases, that's an idle threat. If they had enough evidence to take your child away from you, 
they would have already gotten the warrant and would be taking your child away from you. What they want you to do is they want you to talk to them and incriminate yourself so that they can then have the evidence to take your child away from you. Now, some people tell me, well, if I don't talk to the social worker, won't the judge look bad upon me or look down upon me? In a lot of situations, I would say no, because judges know that you don't have to talk to social workers. But there are situations where I could see a judge would say, um, you know, hey, I, I, I don't like the fact that you didn't talk to the social worker, notwithstanding the fact that you don't have to. So, you know, whenever you talk to the social worker, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the worst, it's a 10. So please don't talk to social workers. If you don't talk to social workers, it's a five. Because the judge is going to be, um, you know, maybe upset or maybe looking at you differently because you didn't talk to the social worker. So it's a five. So what do you want on a scale of one to ten? Do you want a ten or do you want a five? Of course, you'll pick the five and not the ten. Let me tell you, in my 30 years as a lawyer, I have heard thousands of times people tell me, and witnesses, Mr. Davis, I never said that to the social worker. Well, if you talk to the social worker, you give the social worker the opportunity to misquote you or to say something or to write something that you did not say. I've heard thousands of times, Mr. Davis, I said that, but it was in a different context. Social worker took it out of context. Well, if you didn't talk to the social worker, it wouldn't be taken out of context. So that's why I advise people not to talk to social workers, especially during this investigative stage. Sometimes they have meetings where they ask you to come or tell you that you're required to attend, and you are not required to attend. Sometimes they tell you um, this type of counseling or this type of um, uh, drug therapy. You don't have to do anything until the judge orders you to do it. If a social worker comes to you and tells you that they are going to do something to you or threatens you, I suggest that you contact an attorney. Just Google, you know, CPS lawyer, lawyer and find a lawyer that you can talk to over the telephone to get some guidance about your rights and what you should do. Okay, we're running out of time. I want to thank everybody for listening. Next week, I'm going to go more in depth on uh, the detention hearing, relative placement, and then we're going to talk a little bit about, about the selection and implementation hearing where they can try to terminate your parental rights. It's called the 366.26 hearing. Uh, don't forget, elections are coming up. You have the opportunity to vote for and against legislators who are family-friendly or not family-friendly, and you have the opportunity to, to vote for and against judges who are family-friendly or not family-friendly. So please exercise. I want to thank all of you for listening today, and I'll see you next week on the radio.